Hello, trick-or-treaters. Welcome to a special Halloween edition of the Big Deep Podcast. Before I scare everybody uh, and bring in Alice, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page to see all my content, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, NASCAR, swimming, walking, running. <laughs> also check out the Big Deep Podcast for all you audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So back from fighting lions, tigers, and bears, running with cheetahs, and waddling like penguins, it's Alex. (laughs) Thank you for the wonderful introduction, Dylan. A pleasure to be back on the show, as always, for my little weekly NFL input. Uh, Yes, sir. You know Miami Dolphins took care of Detroit Lions. We love to see it. Uh, Tua is him, and I'm excited for the rest of the season. But I uh, can't wait. I'm even uh, talk about this week's slate with you, Dylan. Well, how about last night's uh, Sunday night slate between the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo Bills? And uh, I don't know about you, but that was the cockiest Buffalo Bill game I've ever seen. Yeah, because it looked like the Bills looked like the Bills had won like four or five Super Bowls because the Looked like uh, Stefan Diggs and Jair Alexander were yapping even before the game. Yeah, you know, they uh, definitely, you know, it's two two franchises who at least in recent, well, for the Bills in recent history, used to winning, and uh, the Green Bay Packers have had a, a storied uh, history of winning football games. So, you know, it's going to get chippy. It's a, it's a primetime game. Uh, the Packers are upset about where their season looks, and the Bills are uh, – hyped about where their season is. So I'm not surprised it was a little bit of emotion. Definitely Stefan Diggs, Jared Alexander, you know, it's, uh, it's the NFL. There's going to be emotions. There's going to be a little bit of conflict. These guys are putting their bodies on the line. So, you know, it's nothing, nothing out of the normal. It's nothing you don't see really every week, but um, you know, it's just two, two teams, full competitors who are ready to go. But um, I will say, I feel bad for uh, anyone who uh, took the Vegas line in this game because uh, missing the spread by half a point must have been uh, a bit of a uh, unsettling or spooky uh, as the Halloween uh, theme may continue. Uh, Look for people who bet that 10 and a half finishing uh, 27-17 in Buffalo's favor. But, you know, I mean, honestly, if you look at the the stat line between this game, it was a lot closer than, than I think the actual football game itself was. I mean, uh, at least on paper, the Packers put up 398 total yards against the Bills, 369. The Packers won the turnover battle. Um, you know, Aaron Jones finally showed up for the Green Bay Packers, got uh, 143 yards rushing. Uh, it just, you know, I mean, you look at Josh Allen, this Buffalo Bills team, they're so dominant that, and the, and the way, I mean, the lack of weapons uh, primarily that Aaron Rodgers has, it's really just... You know, it's unfortunate for Packers fans because they're not used to really being in this position. But, you know, it's just it's just a, a series of unfortunate events for the Green Bay Packers this year. I'm, I must say, I think the Green – I know Green Bay lost, but I think Green Bay played pretty well, especially that second half. I love Aaron Jones last night. I mean, why Green Bay hasn't given him the ball all years beyond me because it's basically Aaron Jones and nobody else. Aaron Rodgers playing behind – a patchwork offensive line, and no trustworthy wide receivers. I mean, you might have been catching passes last night. I mean, put me in green and gold. I'll strap it up. Let's go. <laughs> Maybe that will happen on Christmas, but we'll yeah. see. But, uh, 
But uh, to be honest, I was befuddled with Buffalo's game plan because once you get a lead, guess what teams usually do? Run the ball. But guess yeah. what? But the Bills kept throwing the ball. They didn't give the ball to Devin Singletary. Josh Allen made a couple of big mistakes. And then it looked like Buffalo was just – it looked like Buffalo just said to Green Bay, hey, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. I mean, I know Stefan Diggs is great. He, he was – and he and Jai Alexander got into it. Maybe that was because Diggs was in Minnesota for all those years. But mm. I, I, I didn't get Buffalo last night. Coming off a bye, when Green Bay's banged up and losing the lesser teams, you would think Buffalo would have come with a better, particularly second-half effort. I think Buffalo in the first half looked like what we thought it was. But... Despite the loss, I think Green Bay learned a couple of valuable lessons. One, I mean, Green Bay was down both of its middle linebackers, a bunch of wide receivers, offensive linemen, and then Mason Crosby's field goal was good. That, that would have been a one-possession game. I don't think anybody would have predicted a one-possession game late in the, at halftime. Yeah, it was 24 to 7. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've seen some very ugly performances from the Green Bay Packers this season. This, uh, and you go into this game thinking, all right, you've got the Buffalo Bills on a, with a week rest. You've got, I mean, arguably, probably the most explosive quarterback in the NFL right now, offense in the NFL right now with a Green Bay Packers team that is just declining and declining, declining. This game had blowout written all over it. And like you said, and like you said, I mean, you got to give the Green Bay Packers some credit. It looks like they finally have kind of figured out a little bit better about what their current identity of the team is, because I don't think that they had an identity leading up really until this week at all. I mean, you've got Aaron Rodgers with no one to throw to. You've got, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, who you refuse to use and, 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 you know, use their skill sets to your advantage. It just, it finally seemed like the Packers actually, like I said, had an identity and, and came to play on Sunday. I mean, unfortunately, the, the crazy thing about it is like you said, I mean, the Buffalo Bills did not play their best performance. They took their foot off the gas and they still beat the Green Bay Packers by 10 points. So, I mean, I think it just, it, it says more to about how dangerous and how scary Buffalo actually is considering they really lost in the majority of the stat department. They didn't have the time of possession. Um, and, you know, other than, I mean, really, if it wasn't for those Josh Allen interceptions in the second, uh, uh, in the fourth quarter, I mean, the game's probably, uh, game's probably even uh, more lopsided than it really was, but I mean, it wasn't a perfect performance from, uh, from the Buffalo Bills. It was a better performance from the Green Bay Packers, but obviously still not one or still uh, one that they need to work on and really, really either make some moves on the, before this trade deadline or, or figure something out because sitting at three and five is definitely not where you want to be a, uh, eight weeks into the NFL season. Hold on. I'm trying to see what uh, Buffalo's schedule was. I'm trying to see what Buffalo did off its by last year. Let's see. Well, it was weird. Like last year, um, so, sorry, sorry, Alex, but um, Buffalo beat Miami twenty six to eleven last year. Last year, but uh, you know, last but uh, last year, I will say this: the week after playing Kansas City, 
Buffalo lost Tennessee where they went for where the Bills went for fourth down. And to be honest with you, in this game, I think Buffalo looked too cocky. I think Buffalo's got to give Devin Singletary the ball. The Bills are way too reliant on Josh Allen. And that Buffalo team, especially in the second half, is not being Kansas City, is not being Philadelphia, and is for dang sure not being in San Francisco right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think it, you know, it, it's weird to say that a team can have a wake up call after a 27 to 17 victory, but I, I, I think that's exactly what Buffalo got. I mean, obviously, you know, that one loss of the season against my Miami Dolphins. Uh, Buffalo Bills fans love to give uh, the injury excuses and the, and the heat and, and exhaustion on the sideline, whatever. Injury excuses. Look at Green Bay. Look at Green Bay last night playing about wide receivers, linemen, and linebackers. Exactly. So, I mean, it's the NFL. You're going to get hurt. You just got to, I mean, every team in the league is going to be dealing with injuries. It's just whoever can overcome them the best. But as far as, you know, I think that was something a little bit more excusable for Buffalo Bills fans and for the team itself to, to get over that Miami game. I think this, this game uh, m- might have given them more to work off of as far as, uh, you know, improving and, and really fine tuning things down the stretch, but up, up until the, uh, the playoffs start coming up. Uh, and I really do, like, like, like you said, I'm kind of piggybacking off you, but I, I think this was a, a big game for Buffalo to really um, fine tune and, and narrow down exactly. Cause when you're, when, when you're a, a, fo- a football team as good as the Buffalo Bills are, I mean, you really kind of sometimes have to search for things to work on. So it's nice to have some inconsistencies, to have some some problems, and especially if you can still do it and come out with a win. It's always uh, you're always just trying to get better, especially for these um, you know playoff locks and teams that are really trying to make a, a Super Bowl run this season. You got to find where your weaknesses are and then correct them before the playoffs start. Because once the playoffs come, it's too late to be fixing mistakes. So it's it's I think it's a good thing. You know we're uh, Buffalo's seven games in now. And uh, for them, I mean, they're they're sitting at six and one. It's you're you're happy where you are as a Buffalo Bills fan. Obviously, there's every, there's things every team can work on, but uh, uh, you're definitely not disappointed at the end of the day. But let's move on. We'll go uh, back in time a little bit earlier in the slate to one of the most head scratching, confusing, and just bizarre endings to a football game I think we've seen in a while. Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. This game had everything, uh, including helmets being removed, missed field goals, uh, quarterbacks making magical runs in overtime. Uh, I'm sure you've all seen it before, but PJ Walker, Mr. PJ Walker himself, finds DJ Moore with 12 seconds left in the game for a 62 yard touchdown pass, brings the Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons to a tie game. Extra point is all they need to seal the deal. And what does DJ Moore do after he catches his touchdown pass? Takes his helmet off, celebrates, goes crazy, and picks up a 15-yard penalty, pushing Eddie Pinheiro back to a 48-yard extra point attempt, which, of course, he missed. The game goes to overtime. Carolina Panthers look like they, they, it's all saved after the interception on defense takes it back to Atlanta's 20-yard line. Eddie Pinheiro steps up again for the game-winning field goal and shanks it left again. Marcus Mariota takes things over from there, runs it down the field, and Young Wake, who makes his kicks, splits the uprights, and Atlanta goes home with the victory. I want to know, Dylan, 
Do you, who do you blame more in this situation? Is it DJ Moore for, for the 15 yard penalty, removing his helmet, or is it Eddie Pinheiro for missing his kicks? Oh, Eddie Pinheiro, 1000%. Absolutely. Because Eddie Pinheiro, because yes, DJ Moore removed his helmet, but Eddie Pinheiro still missed two kicks in a dome. Yeah, exactly. Including one of them, which was a new school extra point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what DJ Moore did yesterday wasn't exactly great, but there have been some weird celebrations. I mean, he's his adrenaline would have been going going bands thinking he won the game because the Panthers Falcons rivalry is so underrated in the yeah. school. Absolutely. But uh, in the end, Pinero had Pinero missed was the equivalent of a 48-yard field goal, and then a 32-yard field goal after the defense intercepted Mario Rebut. That was a wacky game between – I mean, Carolina was one kick away from being in first place at 3-5 and five after just firing Matt Rule a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah, you know, I, I was – you know, being a soccer player, uh, you know, I always have to feel for kickers. I always think kickers get some unnecessary hate. But, man, Eddie Pinheiro, I mean, it's, it's tough to, to kind of uh, – uh, give any sort of sympathy there because you, I mean, you're obviously, I mean, a 48 yard extra point isn't ideal, but an NFL kicker should be able to make a 48 yard field goal, extra point, whatever it is, let alone. I mean, yes, it's, I mean, the pressure, it's, it's the game winning kick, everything's on the line, but it's your job. You get paid to do the job. You really, and, and obviously, you know, that one is a little bit, I don't even know if it's if it's more excusable, but when you go down to overtime and you've got a chip shot field goal and not, I mean, you see all the time, if you see a kicker, you know, push a field goal to the right and then, you know, obviously lose their confidence and not the next time they might pull it to the left because they're overcompensating. He missed both of them to the left. So, I mean, I don't know if he was just misreading the wind or, I mean, the, the second one looked like this a in the wind. They were in a freaking dome for I, you're right. I mean, it's I'm trying, like I said, I, I love kickers. I'm trying to give them some benefit of the doubt, but there's really not much there. You got to be able to make at least one of those two kicks. You make one of them, you make the first one, we're not even talking about over time. You make the second one, we're not talking about Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons getting the victory. So, you know, it's an unfortunate situation. Obviously, DJ Moore probably feels bad. Eddie Pinero. Definitely feels bad, but credit to Marcus Mariota and the Falcons. I mean, that's why they play the game. You you got to keep playing until there are zero uh, zeros on the clock. And the Atlanta Falcons definitely did, and the Carolina Panthers definitely did not. And they also wasted a three touchdown performance from Deonta Foreman. But you know, it's that helps fantasy football players. Doesn't necessarily help the Carolina Panthers get the victory. So. And Weird. Way, we thought, I think we when we did our divisional breakdown, both of us thought the Atlanta Falcons could be one of these teams tanking for a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or the kid, kid from Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. But uh, the Atlanta Falcons aren't tanking. They're in first place. Yeah. 
I mean, it's just every the NFL, you know, you think you know what's going to happen and you never end up knowing what's going to happen. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are three and five. The, the Green Bay Packers are three and five. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady household names are, are I mean, just going through it and personal life on the on the field and everything. It's just, the LA Rams on three and four look like poop yesterday. I'm uh, former Super Bowl champions. I mean, it's just. It's a weird season. You've got the Jets, you got the Giants. It's, I mean, this is football and this is why we love it. But I mean, there's not a, there's not a man on earth who would have predicted these standings after, uh, after eight weeks of football. All right. So uh, there were a bunch of super of great running back performances yesterday. You mentioned Deontay Foreman scoring three touchdowns for Carolina. How about that? Uh, how about uh, Tony Pollard scoring three touchdowns for the Dallas Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Absolutely. Uh, Alvin Kamara finally scoring in the end zone, not once, not twice, but three times. Derrick Henry running for 9,000 yards against the Houston Texans because that's what he always does. And Christian McCaffrey making history in Los Angeles, in uh, Inglewood yesterday. So which one running back performance stood out the most to you yesterday? You know, there's so many to choose from. I've seen a lot of people with uh, 200s in their fantasy football stat line because a lot of players went off yesterday. But, you know, I got to go with the last guy you mentioned, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the man had a had, – not only did he score a hat trick, he scored a perfect hat trick with throwing a touchdown, catching a touchdown, and running in a touchdown as well. Man's got a 100 QBR rating for the, for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. So if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't work out, maybe they uh, – actually traded for their uh, new franchise quarterback. You never know, but you know, it's just Christian McCaffrey, obviously he got a couple snaps in last week. It looked decent. He did really, I mean, it was, he just joined the team. So you really couldn't expect much, but to come out the really in your first real full week uh, with the San Francisco 49ers and to put up 94 yards rushing, 55 yards receiving three different three touchdowns including a passing one I have to give I have to give McCaffrey the credit we know that the 49ers are have one of the best run schemes and run games in the NFL just based on their on their um their game plans and their and their uh just coaching but you know so obviously bringing in Christian McCaffrey was a splash and it is sure paying off for them because the man had himself a day yesterday yeah, how about CMC becoming the first running back since LT in 2005 to run, catch, and throw for a touchdown yeah. in the same game? Yeah. I mean, the man can do it all. We, I mean, we thought he could do it all before, and then all of a sudden he's, uh, he's even going past what we expected for him. And I know he made you happy because I know Mr. Uh, Mr. Big D himself has uh, Christian McCaffrey on a fantasy team or two. Well, how about well? What if I told you that this player? Let me see. Let me let me see if you can guess this. Yeah, in his last four games against the Houston Texans, this player has rushed for 211 yards and three touchdowns, 212 yards and two touchdowns, 250 yards and two touchdowns, and yesterday 219 yards and two touchdowns. Who would you think he is? I'm going to say it's the king. Yes. And let's see. It's even more impressive knowing the ten, that Malik Willis was starting and the Titans threw the ball 10 times. 
Everybody in the stadium knew Tennessee was going to run the ball. Rookie quarterback back, and Houston didn't have a prayer in stopping Derrick Henry. Four straight 200-yard games against the same team. So the Texans should be thankful Derrick Henry didn't play against them last year. Otherwise, he would have run for like 900. Otherwise, he could have run for 1,000 yards in, in six games against the Texans. It's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely mad. You, you know, I, I'm a big Malik Willis fan. I have I had uh, high hopes for him going into this season. Obviously, I mean, you know, he's the, the backup to Ryan Tannehill. But I, I did have a feeling that – that Malik Willis was going to get a start eventually. So I was, I had my eyes eyed, uh, tuned on this game, but I was not watching Malik Willis at that point. I was watching the Derrick Henry show. I mean, the man literally carried the team on his back. It was a, a completely overtaking performance of the Houston Texans. I mean, you want to talk about Aaron Rodgers telling the, telling the Chicago bears, who's your daddy. I mean, Derrick Henry is the father of the Houston Texans and it's not even up for debate. I mean, it's just, there's nothing else you have to say about it. You could have started, you could have started a peewee football player at quarterback and the, and, and Derrick Henry, it would have been the same result. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's honestly an honor to watch someone take over a football game like Derrick Henry did yesterday. Oh, by the way, who used uh, Derrick Henry and all friendly little head to head DK head to head yesterday. That was you, Dylan. Um, you know, I almost did, and I went with uh, Saquon. I changed it up, and uh, I definitely paid for that. All right. With the trade deadline 24 hours or so for now, there are some hypothetical trades with you that uh, intrigue us, Alex. So, Alex, what's uh, one hypothetical trade you want to see take place? You know, there's there's a lot of players whose names have been um, in, out on the market, uh, I, whether selling, whether buying. You know, there's obviously with this time of year, there's always going to be rumors going around. It's uh, just a case of really who wants to make a move and, and who's got the who's got the ability to make the move. One name that I really want to uh, see find a new home uh, I think he'd be a beast on a new team he's already a beast but he's not the number one guy there is I want to see Kareem Hunt I want to see Kareem Hunt leave the Cleveland Browns I think Nick Chubb is plenty and plenty plenty good enough of the of a running back to really handle handle the load there I don't think they need Kareem Hunt and I think Kareem Hunt can thrive in, in another team obviously we know what he did in Kansas City uh, before uh, really when he, he he put his name out on the map uh, it really just needs to go to a, to, to a running back hungry team. I think um, there's a couple different options. I think if the Rams get rid of uh, Cam Akers, I mean, I, I don't think that they would do necessarily a one-for-one swap, but if the Rams move on from Cam Akers, I think, I think Kareem Hunt would be a, a, a nice little, uh, a, a nice little addition to uh, Matt Stafford's offense there. I think, you know, it can maybe help the Rams turn, turn their season around because they were so dominant last season. And, and you know, Daryl Henderson hasn't really stepped up much. They had Cam Akers, who they had hopes for at the beginning of the season, who has just shown absolutely nothing. They really need, and I mean, obviously it's the Cooper Cup show over there. Hopefully he is feeling fine uh, based off of his injury this week. But it, they need a couple more dimensions. We finally saw Allen Robinson step up last week. 
You know, uh, Tyler Higby's been a decent little contributor, but it's really Matthew Stafford locking on to Cooper Cup. And I think teams know that. And if you can even slow Cooper Cup down, the Rams don't really seem like they have any other uh, uh, options other than getting him the ball. So I think getting getting another playmaker, getting someone who can actually, uh, you know, find success on, on the ground and really open up that run game so you can get that ball out to Cooper Cup more, so you can get that ball out to Allen Robinson more. I'd like to see... Uh, uh, Kareem Hunt go to the Rams. What do you think? What are you thinking, Dylan? Did you see who was the Rams starting running back yesterday? Ronnie Rivers. When I heard the name, when I heard the name, I'm like, the last Ronnie I saw start a tailback was Ronnie Brown for the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know what? We've already seen one blockbuster deal for a running back. I've got another one in mind. All right. You want to know how I saw Buffalo's lack of running back issues? I, uh, Buffalo, go get Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Because I mean, Buffalo, go get Alvin Kamara. I think they, I don't think they'd, uh, have, have a bad word to say about that deal. I don't know. I mean, boy, that'd be, it would be a blockbuster. I'd be very interested to see what the compensation would have to be for that because, I mean, Obviously, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Christian McCaffrey didn't pull a first-round pick, but I mean, they he, they they got a boatload of picks anyway for him. So I would love to see uh, what what Alvin Kamara would bring in a trade as opposed to McCaffrey. But you know, I mean, it would make the Bills ridiculous. I I, I don't want to see it obviously because I'm in the same division. I do not need Alvin Kamara in my division. But it would be. I mean, it would be a show. That's for sure. I'm just saying. Let's see, Alvin Kamara. Running, receiving, and he also takes pressure off Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Dawson Knox. Can you? How do you stop a Buffalo offense with the best quarterback in football, a top three or four running back, Diggs and Gabriel Davis? Good luck. Oh, Dawson Knox, a matchup nightmare in the red zone. You're not stopping that offense. I don't care about picks. Who cares about picks? They're going to cares about picks anyway. You think the Rams care about picks because they won the Super Bowl? No. You think the 49ers care about picks because they're going to because Samson's trade traded full picks for Christian McCaffrey? No. Be aggressive. So what? Who cares about picks? Go win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is that especially for the Buffalo Bills, because you know these fans in Buffalo are diehard. We know Bill's Mafia. We know what they can do. We know what they're, what they're capable of, uh, of as a fan base. But just the fact that they've gone to four Super Bowls in a row and lost everyone, they have yet to actually get their hands on a Lombardi trophy. You are absolutely right. Forget the picks. Do whatever it is you can to get to that Super Bowl and to take that Lombardi trophy home. I mean, they, they've it's it now is the time. I mean, they're one of the most dominant football teams in the NFL. They have one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL and the way the NFL landscape is, man, you never know what's coming. You never know. I mean, you've got to take advantage of the opportunity when it arises. Now is the time for the Buffalo bills to, to, I mean, they're, they're, they're in the prime of their careers. They've got the connection between Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen it they have to go for it and I absolutely agree there's no use stockpiling picks to get rookies that you need to develop you need to get as many playmakers and 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 as we talked about earlier fill up as many holes and find your weaknesses now before the playoff run and 
I honestly think it's a great, it's a great move for them. Obviously. I mean, it's Alvin Kamara, but I, I, I don't see why they want to do it because it, I mean, they're already Super Bowl probably favorites already. And uh, you add Alvin Kamara and, and there's no stopping them. But it is time for one of our favorite segments of the Big D podcast. Dylan, I know you have a rant today and I am so excited to hear it. So the floor is yours. Why did they send? Why did they always send my teams to Wembley? That just pisses me off. Why can't we play at Spro Stadium? We do better than all my teams do better there than at Wembley. Yeah. But um, it is completely ridiculous that we lose that my Jacksonville Jaguars lost to the freaking Denver Broncos yesterday. How did we lose against the Denver Broncos? Give me a break. You know, Marceau, a very untimely interception. Don't remind me. I'm gonna, uh-huh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay off some steam in that. But the Jacksonville Jaguars have no business losing the Denver Broncos. Jags are used to going to London. The last time Denver went to London, John Elway was playing quarterback. Uh-huh. But uh, it's ridiculous. That interception by Trevor Lawrence yesterday was inexcusable. Inexcusable. You know, you know me. I'm the biggest Trevor Lawrence fan, but yes, but I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm beginning to wave on him because that interception was bad. That yesterday was the worst game Trevor Lawrence played all year. And everybody's saying, "Well, the Philadelphia game, yeah, they played that game in a hurricane. The weather yet in London yesterday was beautiful. No, yeah. The weather wasn't an excuse. Jackson was the healthier team." And yet we lost the game because somebody because Jacksonville's quarterback played like yeah. I mean, I, I'm beginning to wave on Trevor. I mean, be honest, the 21 2021 draft class looks like a four-letter word I'm not gonna use on this podcast, but uh Trevor Lawrence does not look great. Yeah, we yeah, there have been moments this year, both Indianapolis games, LA game. But right now, Trevor Lawrence does not look like a number one pick should. We're not seeing the drastic improvement. We're seeing a bunch of – we're seeing good games and then crappy games. And I know Denver's got a really good defense. I love Patrick Sertan Jr. I love some of those guys. But Jackson's got to be better. Yeah, Travis Etienne was great yesterday. But where were the dang receivers? I mean, let me see. Trevor, Trevor – Yesterday was, let me see, he was not good. 18-31 for 133 yards for a 13.9 QBR. Let me see, 18-31 for 133 yards. You're sure we didn't go to Iowa of all people? You're sure we didn't go to Purdue or Wisconsin? I mean, yeah, give me a freaking break. I mean, that QPR, heck, you and I could have done the QPR better QPR left handed. <laughs> it, it wasn't good. I mean, Evan Ingram was I mean, the one. I mean, be honest, Evan Ingram, thank goodness for Evan Ingram yesterday. Otherwise, none of the Jacksonville receivers should have been in London. I mean, Christian Coe, 
is not a number one receiver. I've been saying him for, long, for the last three or four weeks. The Jaguars need a number one receiver because, because the Cincinnati Bengals became a top flight offense when Joe Burrow and Shamar Chase got together. We've seen how DeAndre Hopkins has sort of made Colin Murray better. I mean, maybe not win-wise, but you know why. And you can attest because your Miami Dolphins have become a different offense with Jalen Water and Tyree Kill catching pass from two. Who's leading the NFL in receiving yards through the first eight weeks? Tyree Kill. And who's leading the NFL in pass to ring you? To a time well the uh, where's Trevor Lawrence on that list? Way down there. Where is he on the list? Tell tell me who's around him. I don't I don't I even... mean I don't know, but I know it's got to be bottom bottom five. I'm sure. I'm he's probably sitting there with God. I don't even know. Uh, Jalen or uh, uh, not Jalen Hurts. I almost said Jalen Hurts. Oh my gosh. Uh, Justin Fields is probably down there with him. Oh, uh, let me see. Matt Wilson. This, this is gonna this gonna this gonna make me vomit. This is gonna make me vomit. He Matt I, Ryan's probably down there as well. Oh my gosh. And Trevor Lawrence is 21st in passer rating. You know who's in, you know who's in front of him? Geno Smith for sure. Oh, Geno Smith's number three. Yeah. You know uh, who's in front of him? You know who is you know who's in front of him? Cooper Rush. I don't even know what Cooper Rush is. You might uh Cooper Rush is 29. Wow. Right. Daniel Jones. Is in front of him. Brian Hoyer's in front of him. Oof. Marcus Mariota's in front of him. Andy Dalton. Oh, Jimmy no. Garoppolo. Oh, no. Jared Goff. I mean, the bench Matt Ryan's what one tenth of a point behind Trevor Lawrence. This is pathetic. This is pitiful. And by the way, I I hate talking about Wembley. When my Chelsea football club played the Copa Cup final, the FA Cup final, and now this game, there is a Wembley jinx going on. My teams can't win there. <laughs> we can't win a cup. We can't win a League Cup final. We can't win an FA Cup final. We can't win a freaking NFL game because I think the last game we played there a couple of years ago against the Eagles, we lost. Yeah. Oh gosh. And you were right about the Spurs stadium. I mean, obviously, I don't want to go back and remember it, but the uh, the London game last season, uh, Dolphins Jaguars, Urban Meyer's first one of his of his first and what only one of his NFL career beat the Bills. Oh, that's right, he beat, he beat the Bills. Um, you know, it's just you're right. I mean, there's got to be something about Wembley with your well, both of your teams, but specifically the Jacksonville Jaguars. You guys definitely need a receiver. I mean, it's. I, I, I like Trevor Lawrence. It's it. I feel bad for the kid. It's hard to watch, but I mean, when you get the ball down four, I mean, this is that's the time that every quarterback has dreamed about to lead an NFL franchise down a touchdown with one drive left on the clock, two minute drill, and the first pass of that drive, the first play of that drive is an interception. I mean, it's just you gotta be, you gotta know where you are in the game. You gotta you. 
you have to, I mean, obviously you have to take some chances. You got to move the ball downfield, but you, you can't make a mistake like that. The first play of the drive and you're throwing that game away. I mean, ruins the Travis Etienne game. I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because the Jaguars have a good little team there. I mean, you've got a good defense. You've got, obviously you have a good rushing game with Etienne, but you're right. And I mean, that 2021 draft class, I mean, we were hailing that 2021 quarterback draft class when it came out and, and Mac Jones is, and it's all poop. It, it's just, it's just not good. I mean, obviously Mac Jones has been in a quarterback controversy with Bailey Zappi, the rookie. I mean, uh, Justin Fields has not looked good. Uh, obviously, Zach you know, Wilson. Zach, Zach Wilson looked bad. It's it's just not. And Trey Lance. Trey Lance can't get on the dang field. Yeah, it's just you know I mean especially in the football card hobby in the football card market 2021 was huge and all of a sudden those prices are dropping. The 2020 quarterbacks. Now that's what we're talking about. Okay, that's enough, please. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe not her for this year, but we know why. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Alex. Uh, thanks for letting for letting me for allowing me to let off some steam. I feel much better. I'm sweating now. <laughs> and uh, we wish you Dolphins well up against uh, Justin Fields and the Bears. And thank goodness we're playing the Raiders next week because I'm ready to take on Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me, Dylan. It's a pleasure as always. Great to be here. I will see you next week, hopefully after a Dolphins victory against the Bears. And you know what it is. Ends up, baby.